Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the triple! Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Welcome back to the Bora Breakdown Podcast with me, Johnny, Dana and Tom. We are the Bora Podcast that gives you the ins, the outs, the ups, the downs of Millsbury Football Club. But there's no Dana with us this week. It's just me and Tom breaking the Bora down. And if before we start, um, if you haven't given us a follow on YouTube or on our podcast apps or anything like that, please do. That helps us get found, charted, and also helps other Bora fans find us as well. But let's chat about the Bora. And well, a goal from Yannick Balassi wasn't enough from the Bora uh, yesterday against QPR to lose 2-1. And this leaves Bora now in 11th place in the championship table with three defeats in the last four games. Tom, a slow start for Bora. Uh, they came into it, obviously Yannick Balassi with the, with the header in, uh, in about the 25th, 30th minute. Um, but how would you assess the overall display yesterday? You know, overall, I, th- I thought we had our chances to win it. And I think it, it was an improvement on what we've seen recently. We seem to definitely have more intent going forwards. It just took us far too long to wake up, which has, has been obviously a, an ongoing trend uh, in, in most of our matches recently. I, I think the, there is an argument there that, um, you know, with, with the chances that we had, and there were some very, very clear-cut chances, we should have won that yesterday. And it probably especially when they went down to 10 men, but then they kind of like just went more compact and... Mm. Uh, help keep us out a bit more, but I, I was happier with the overall performance yesterday. Um, like I say, we we seem to have more intent, but it, it just takes far too long to wake up, which I can only assume is is a motivation issue, and, and we're not kind of raring to go as soon as the game kicks off. Yeah, it's interesting that you said that motivation there. Um, I think with Borough, we've we've started off slow for the majority of the season, haven't we? It's like yes, you can probably say these last probably three or four games is is a is probably a more obvious view of that, but I think this this whole season we haven't really started games on the front foot, and we haven't really got things going. And Charlie sent us a question, so um, it's no point us answering it now. But uh, a little bit later on, but it's a case of now, like I think, where do you think this responsibility lies, Tom? Do you think it's the manager's fault? Do you think it's the players? What do you think it is? I think a mix of both. Um, 
obviously the, it's it is the manager's job to to motivate the team through through the team talks you know get them set up right uh, and get them kind of raring to go onto the field but you look at what Warnock's saying at the moment as well and what is clearly apparent from from some players on the pitch and they they don't want to be here um so i i think if 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 players are in that position where they're not not wanting to be at the club anymore they're not going to be kind of you know going 110 percent from the the first whistle um and and you know you, you've got the other players who probably would do that but it's going to drag the overall performance of the team down mm. yeah i think i think you're right it, it was interesting that one came out with those comments and we'll come on to it in a, in a second but i think the, the slow start i think it does come down to motivation, Tom, I agree with you. I think it also comes with the manager as well. I think the manager needs to make sure that those players are motivated to come on. Um, and appreciate motivation is completely different for a hundred for, for, for many different players, about a hundred players. I don't think one of them will have a, a similar characteristic than, than the other in terms of being motivated. It's just, it, it's just frustrating, I think, because the game was done after 20 minutes yesterday. And yeah. you want a result against the QPR because the way QPR are playing at the moment... They're very attacking. They've got that attacking mindset. They're good on the ball. They, they play with pace. And I thought it might, we would. I thought we'd struggle because of of what what they're achieving under Mark Warburton and, and where they're going and where they'll be next season. I think that they'll be a team that is definitely like in in the top half, not top half, but even probably the top six. I feel like they've got such a good good squad there, and they're only a one or two players short from from being contenders really. And with with Borough. I thought it was a good, it was a good time for us to have a look at the squad and say, right, okay, if these players are going to be here next year, we can play them. But then also, where do we, how how do we mark up against teams that are going to be similar to us next year? And I just thought we were playing off the park that first twenty minutes. Yeah, we did a slight a slight tweak in 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 formation change. But to be honest, Tom, I think when you play a long ball to Duncan Watmore, I think it's absolutely criminal. Yeah, absolutely. How how is he going to win that in the air against no? Two, two massive centre backs. Like it, it's not his type of type of game. Fair enough, you're playing through the defence or kind of playing it over the defence for him to run onto. But mm. most of the time, it was just playing a long ball, hoping he was going to get his head onto it. And yeah. it's just, it's not really what Duncan Watmore's there for. Yeah, it's not like it's it's it, it's funny because when you think of like Tony Pulis, where he used to say, "Oh, well, the lads worked really hard today." That's what Duncan Watmore is. He, he's a grafter, you know. He, he tries his hardest, and you know he tries to create chances. And yeah, it, it's quite difficult for me. Like it's quite difficult for me to to watch a game where we're playing constantly ball to probably one of the smallest players on the pitch. When we put Balassi in that position, I think Balassi won pretty much every single header that he he got given to him. And I thought Yannick Balassi was probably Bora's best player yesterday. And I'll come on to him yeah, in a second. Good. But with Warburton yesterday, I thought it was very interesting how they set up. Was he played with three attacking midfielders? Normally they play like a 3-1-4-2, but he switched it a little bit. He played like a 3-1-4-1-1 where the overpowered us in the midfield, ultimately creating the extra space, and that allowed like their likes of their, their centre-half like Dickie to come in from, what, 30 yards and absolutely score a screamer against Jordan Archer. And yeah, I thought it was an excellent goal. But do you think that Warner got his tactics wrong, just given from what we were saying there? I, I think definitely, I mean, especially considering... Um, was it after the first or second goal where we went pretty much five at the back and started playing with wing backs again? It was the second second goal. Yeah, again. That, well, the game that, was done though by then. Oh yeah, absolutely. But that that was when you kind of saw the difference in performance. You made that change, and it was suddenly a a different game, and we were getting 
getting forward better and we had a bit more intent and you know we, we were cutting out their chances a bit more I, I think if we'd have started like that we probably wouldn't have conceded the two early goals in, in the way that we did yeah it, it was frustrating the way we conceded goals and Warnock obviously pointed out Jed Spence for the for the second goal and yeah that was frustrating but there was a lot of there's a lot of parts of our play where we probably shouldn't have let the ball come into the box. Also, with the the first goal as well, we were pressing far too deep. We just gave them the time. Yes, the overpowered us with the formation tweak, but where was our press? Where was our ability to try and get out and, and close the player down? It wasn't really much like a time to take one or two, even three touches, and get the ball and hit top bins. And Archer probably didn't have a chance, but. We'll look at like the initial positives. What do you think of, of Yannick Balassi's performance yesterday? Because I thought he was probably one of Bor- one of Bora's best. Uh, I thought he was great. I, I thought he kind of showed exactly why we signed him in January. And Yannick, if you're listening, please stay in next season as well because that that was great yesterday. Um, <laughs> well, he listened last week. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was yeah. He, he was one of the, definitely one of the the brightest uh, sparks on on our team yesterday. Um, no question about it. What do you think he brings? Well, he's always looking to take his man on and and get the ball into the box, um, which we didn't have for like a lot of the the initial part of the season. Um, you know, you, you look at some of the crosses we were scoring from in, in the the initial part of the season. It was like Paddy McNair who pushed up from defence and was whipping him in, and we didn't really have that threat from the wings. But he, he's got that, and and like you said earlier, he wins pretty much all his headers. He's got a great jumping leap on him as well, um, which. I can't remember many of our wingers having for for quite a while. So, yeah. um, plus he's got the experience. You know, he, he's played in in the Premier League. He was what twenty five million pound signing for Everton. Yeah, twenty um, five, twenty seven. Yeah, he, he's he's played at, at the highest level. Um, you know, he's one of the more experienced players in the team. He'd be able to help other other players through that. But he's 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 been there and done it. And I, I think we need more of that in our team next season. Uh, more kind of established. Uh, players because it's like Warnock said before we've got a lot of, lot of young players quite a few older ones but we've not got no one I think he said 24 to 29 which obviously Blassie kind of falls outside of but he, he kind of still plays like he's he's that age anyway um, brings the average up <laughs> but yeah he, he's, he's kind of got that experience and that's what I'd like to see more of next season kind of more of players in that age group who've who've got that good experience to, to help push us up uh, a few more places on the table yeah I can see I can also see why people get frustrated with Balassi as well because obviously Bora fans have said he's, he's came with this expectation and you know when you when you come for that price tag from obviously where he's at Everton but um, you expect quality week in week out uh, he hasn't really <coughs> nailed a, a place in the starting 11 I feel like that's why fans get frustrated and go well actually what's he, what's he really done but you can see the difference of what he does and when he brings on the team he, he does give you that that extra bit of confidence when he goes forward and I thought he was very very good yesterday I thought Cabano was, was bright at times and I thought I enjoyed Coulson when he came on and when he played that number 10 he was getting nice little pockets of space you know we were connecting the midfield from the forward line and I thought there was times, yeah, I said at the start, like the game was done, it was, and I didn't, even though they had a red car, I couldn't see us scoring that, that second goal, and it was a bit frustrating yesterday, but there was a moment yesterday where we did have the ball in the back of the net, and the ref stopped the game and gave a red card to the QPR goalkeeper. Um, Maddo and uh, Warnock were, were fuming about it, obviously, and do you think, can you can you see the point of why they're frustrated with it? Because the letter of the law, like being a referee, is that if it's a red card, you have to stop the game, and that that is it. You can't can't come back if it's a red card. It's serious foul play. That that's it. That's that's the law. I think the referee was correct in his is correct in his decision. But 
do they have a point? I mean, yeah, if it's letter of the law, it kind of does have to be brought back. But I can obviously see the frustration. I was just as frustrated. We had quite a good um, you know, advantage to play from that. The goalkeeper was well off his line. Uh, it was a Balassi who it, it went to. or um, so, so I went through to Watmore and Watmore squared it across and Watmore got wiped out. Yeah. And uh, Yannick got the ball. He, he did actually initially lose it because he trapped it and then he turned around and obviously dinked it over. Yeah, yeah, for, I remember for, that. Or like memory, kind of going off the top of my head there, but yeah. Um, obviously, if it's letter of the law, it does have to be brought back, and it is frustrating. But mm. to have the ball in the back of the net like that, yeah, it, it leaves a kind of leaves a sour taste. Considering that would have been two two. Yeah, it would have been. And it, do you think we would have went on to win the game in the end? I just think. As I was saying to you before we came on that. Uh, before we came on air, we had our chances. Um, I think it was straight after Balassi had scored. Um, pretty much what more had got, got more, yeah. squared it, tried to go for like a proper FIFA goal, and uh, unfortunately, Balassi's first touch kind of let him down, uh, went too close to the keeper. Um, but yeah, I think he should have hit that first time and could have been 2 2. But we had other chances uh, apart from that. Um, you know, Lumley made some decent saves when he yeah. came on. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think if if that had been allowed to stand and they're down to 10 men, then they've got nothing to kind of sit back and defend yeah. uh, other than a draw. So, you know, we, we'd have probably found a way through, I think. Yeah, uh, well, we never, I think we. But what we do have is we had bright moments, but no conviction. That's how it kind of felt. And if we were to put those away, QPR could be there for the take. And defensively, they're not as strong as you'd want to make out, but I feel like they are going to rectify those mistakes Next year they're an expen- they're an expansive side, but they're only a couple of players away from from really competing. Um, but one sub yesterday was a little bit interesting, and it was Brick who came on uh, for Yannick Balassi in the second half. And when you've got Corburn, Akpom, Fletcher on the bench, um, were you surprised to see Brick come on? Because a couple of weeks ago Neil Warnock was basically saying, "Well, he's no longer part of my plans. He's leaving at the end of the season." He's not going to really play. So, we have you been surprised to see him back in integrated back in the squad? I was more surprised to see him come on yesterday than I was before. Um, mm. Obviously, before we were very kind of thin on numbers anyway. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I, I mean I'm, I'm not knowing this for sure. I reckon Warnock will probably appreciate the fact that Brit's being honest and said I'm gone at the end of the season. Um, yeah. Maybe that's why he's being picked over. You know the likes of Fletcher who's saying I'll, I'll wait till the end of the season to see what contract offers I get and then I'll commit. Um, I, I think he might appreciate the honesty and that's why he's kind of still being around. Yesterday I was more surprised to see him because you had the likes of Hackney and Malley on the bench as well. So when I've seen Corburn, Hackney and Malley on the bench I was like right he's actually going to play the young lads now. Nothing to play for for the, uh, the rest of the season. We probably might see these kind of come on at some point. I think... The reason behind not bringing those on could be it's not the right game for them. Obviously, with them being young, their mentality is probably not the same as you know what it might be in kind of ten years' time. They might be more affected if if they kind of have a poor performance or um, you know they're not getting any chances or anything like that. And I suppose they have to be kind of managed in a different way to the more experienced players. Um, but I wouldn't mind kind of seeing them get more of a look in uh, in the next few games rather than the likes of, of Britton Fletcher playing um, and I think especially what Warnock said after the game yesterday um, when he said 
a lot of the players who don't want to be here. You're going to see some very different squads in the next few weeks. We've got what, four games left. We've got nothing to play for. I think um, second tier pod just tagged us in somewhere today saying we're now mathematically guaranteed yeah, at next mate, season. Progress, mate. Hey, so, it, took, it took us <laughs> the last the last day of uh, last season to get safe. Yeah, so. Exactly. Three under par this season. Three so. under par. Progress. <laughs> um, but yeah, if we've literally got nothing to play for now, we've got nothing to lose by by giving them a chance. So I'd like to see them given more of a chance in the next few games. Um, yeah, I think I think you're spot on though. With when you when you said around, is it the right game to play these type of players? Um, Ian Smith sent us a sent us a question in, and he said around Corburn, when when's it right to play him, and when if we're not going to play him in these type of games, when are we? And for me, I think. It's interesting management from Warnock because does he want to protect these players or does he want to put them in the firing line straight away um, where where frustrations are high because for Borough fans right now and we'll come on to the, these like rebuild uh, conversations in a, in, a, in a bit but I think there's a lot of frustration with Borough fans at the minute and if the scene Corbyn come on and he didn't do anything impactful then fans will get on his back fairly quickly so is it a case of and nothing. Should we put him on like a nothing game and start to feed him in? I think a prime example was this was Adam Reach, and I remember we brought him on. Uh, we Doncaster were, might be Doncaster, and we were two 0 up yeah, last day of the season. Came on and scored. Was and Kevin Thompson assist that. That was uh, that's why I remember it's so rare. Kevin, <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Thompson assist. God, mate, he, mate, Kevin Thompson never played at all, and it was like. He, he, I thought he was going to be a really good player for him. He, he was absolutely mint on footy manager. Before we signed him, I always used to buy Kevin Thompson because he'd be banging in 30-yard worldies out of nowhere. And then he just... Ne- we'd, he's not the same player as he was in that game. That game lied to me for, for a lot yeah, of... You've played too many computer games. Like, <laughs> so, like, I, I, just going back to the, sorry, the Balassi thing when he tweeted us the week, I, I actually don't play football manager. <laughs> so, you know what? Sign me up. I'm, I'm all in. Uh <laughs> On the Lex team are fantastic. They'll some some players to watch by the time uh, but you know, what what am I to know? But what was I saying? I thought about Corbin Reach and yeah, so anyway. Yeah. Um anyway. <laughs> Adam Reach and the way that we integrated Reach and we got him out on loan after his first game, um, was was quite good in how we managed him because we gave him the confidence to say, You are got you have got a place here. But then also we wanted to gain a bit more experience with Corbin. He hasn't really he hasn't played men's football yet he's only really played under 23s at a maximum and I think you do worry a little bit with that I think with Jed as well I think where Jed's had a lot of frustrations and people are kind of seeing the end of his Borough career is that he probably hasn't plied his trade elsewhere um, the only exception for this is when you see the likes of Phil Forden Phil Forden at Manchester City it's probably way better for him to play at Manchester City and just be a bit part player than it is to play probably at the championship because the quality that he's around each day and the level of professionalism is superb. Like he's going to learn from the very, very best. Jude Bellingham, for example, he probably had to go to to Dortmund to reach the standards that he said. He's not going to do it at Birmingham. Do you know what I mean? And I think with with these type of players, with Corburn, unless he's going to be a first team player next year, then he needs to get game experience. But he needs to find a level very quickly to to, to learn. And but I think with the management side of Warnock, I think that. He needs to be careful on how he manages them. I, I think there's there's a big contrast there between Coburn now and what we saw with Steve Walker last season. Yeah. Um, you look at when Walker was first introduced into the squad last season, tensions were already starting to to rise um, because you know we, we were sat on the bottom of the table, we weren't yeah. winning much, 
Um, I remember him coming on at the Riverside, getting clean for one goal, pretty much one on one, and putting it over the bar. And you know, massive amount of uh, oh from around the around the stadium. And you, you've got to think that that must affect like a young player to come on, miss a chance like that, and you know you're already in a in a squad where tensions yeah. are high. Um, I, I suppose that's that's one benefit of the fans not being here this season is the fact for the next four games we don't have playoffs to chase, we don't have relegation to worry about. There's no one to get on your back if you miss these chances other than your teammates. But you have social media. Yeah. Um, social media is a, a case of where you can get bombarded for absolutely anything and everything. Like we know from hosting a podcast, we can get someone just abuse us in the comments or DMing us or anything like that. So it, it does happen. And with, with football, is like it, it probably doesn't stop. And we've seen like all like the racism side of things as well. And it, it's not it's getting probably worse before it's going to get better. And that, and that's and that's a shame. But I think yeah, like it is that added pressure, and I do worry a little bit about the players, but. It also we put we have to put an onus on them. I worry about the players because they might be too early, but it's also on the players to get the experience and want to go out on loan and develop. When I spoke to Lids a couple of weeks ago with with Dicko and he was we were saying about it's kind of an ego thing. Like these players need to get out on loan and, and make themselves a, a man and, and try and get themselves integrated into the team. Like Dicko was a prime example where he went out on North, he went out, went out to North Allerton and Whitby and then. Next thing you know, but the the real end of the season where they were going towards the playoffs, Dicko was a bit part player in that squad. He came back as a much better developed player than than he uh, than he than he was when he left. And but obviously that's like a, just a, an example for it. But it's interesting where Warnock is at the moment and where his comments lie because it was interesting in his press conference. And I'll, I'll quote it. And he said, "There's a lot of things I don't understand. You get clicks at the club." And as a manager, you know that they're there. I'm sure if you spoke to two or three of the lads, they would say I was the problem because they blame everyone else, but they don't look in the mirror. It's natural for footballers, but I'm not the problem. I've got to solve the problem. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, I haven't said on the podcast previously, I've just finished listening to his audio book. <laughs> <coughs> you can buy Neil Warnock's audio book for £3.99. With, with, oh, mate, it would have been more... With the cord break. <laughs> would have been more expensive than that if I didn't have, like, an Audible free trial. But he, he, he talks about it a lot in um, in that, like, what he had to go through at QBR and even to a lesser extent Leeds, because yeah. I, I think he must have written that just after he'd left Leeds or something. You, you do have players trying to trying to make it more difficult for you, um, and and you just want the players who are there rather than the ones who, you know, aren't hundred percent there. Um, even even the ones who are like, um, you know, might have their their head turned from somewhere else. I think last chapter of the book he was talking about Luciano Becchio, um, <laughs> and he was saying, I think it was it, uh, Turkey and China. Uh, teams in Turkey and China had come in for Becchio and he was like I'm 29 it's the last chance to kind of like set myself up financially and yeah, stuff absolutely and then he was like oh, how do I manage this because you can't exactly you know slag the player off in the press because then it weakens the negotiation position or uh, you know you can't treat him too harshly otherwise he's not going to want to be there so it it's he knows the situations you're going to get with, with certain players in management and um, I, I do think it is I, I agree with what he said. It is on him to kind of identify them and and kind of get rid of them uh, as these problems. Uh, but it doesn't surprise me that there there are certain players like that uh, in the dressing room, um, especially considering some of the performances we've seen from certain players this season. Yeah, it, it's frustrating, but I feel like the the biggest losers in all of this is the fans. Yeah, 
in we peer week in week out do a podcast we've got we're sat in the red army studio and in it's you thought know, we, we invest a lot of time into this and when you see like performances like that you get really frustrated and you know and also with, with borough as well if the fans aren't all in then you've got a big problem and I also feel sorry for Steve Gibson as well because if a player's not wanting to be here then that's just so frustrating you can't really put your notice in and leave like for like mm. six to eight weeks later do you know what I mean but it's um, we got a question from from Danny Beardmore and he, he does say that Warnock um, spoke about n- now knowing which players he wants to weed out who do you think it is and he said that he thinks it's Savile and Spence have you got an indication of who you think the players are that probably want to want to be there like want to go I'd agree that they're two of them. Um, I feel like Akpom might be one. Uh, and I feel odd saying that considering he's only just come this season. Yeah. But he's not exactly been playing a lot, has he? Um, there could be a different things for that, though. Like, we don't we don't know the ins and outs of it, do we? So it's like the... With, with footballers, you, they could have a... a they obviously, they have a life outside of football and appreciate he's just became a father as well. And is that affecting him has he kind of like is has he got a mental block or is he just like not wanting to be here are we not playing we're not we're clearly not playing with strengths mm. so like it's uh that could be frustrating for him so I, I think going back to what you said about certain players if you asked them would blame warnock uh, i could see why Akpom would if we were not playing to his yeah, strengths absolutely we've um, paid two million from as well yeah and i'm well, sorry but there's one interesting thing where sorry you can come back to it but have you got a feeling that Warnock might have lost the dressing room a little bit? Because when when he says things like that, it it it's in the back of my mind thinking they're not fully behind you here. Because you're saying that yeah, you've got um, McNair, Grant Hall, and House, and it's saying oh, it's going to be good next year, lads. He's trying to keep them, you know, keep them happy. But if there's a, a big click that aren't happy, then is he allu- that has a bit of a wildfire effect, doesn't it? Because mm. once there's once there's one bad egg, there comes two bad eggs, and they'll, they'll multiply and stuff like that. And then next thing you know, the whole dressing room's behind, not behind her anymore. So could it be a case that he's potentially losing the dressing room, or do you think that this click that he's on about is going to leave probably in the summer, and then it can all rebuild again? I think the click must have grown, um, and and that's why he's kind of went from saying we need a few players to we need more than a few. Uh, just going back to what I mentioned there about the, the audio book again, um, one of the quotes he said in that, that book, which I thought was really interesting, was when there's the unhappy player at the club, you don't want them talking to the other players. Um, and I feel like that might be the case with the people in that clique. You know, if anyone is unhappy at the players and they've got made to, you know, weren't particularly decided uh, on, on spot for Warnock, that could sway them. Um, so I, I feel like... Yeah, if if there was a click in the dressing room, potentially that might have grown, and and that's why we went from looking at a few players to, like I say, more than a few to fully rebuild. Yeah, well, that rebuilding job is something that I'm currently writing about, but then also we'll discuss it now, and um, we've got quite a few of our questions this week uh, around this rebuild, and it's kind of like a rinse and repeat question because if you could, if you put the podcast on our podcast from last year, on. Appreciate it'd be a little bit different, Tom, because you weren't here and it was Elliot and <laughs> Elliot and Dana with, with me. But the the actual podcast itself, we're probably chatting about the same thing we chatted about last year. And then if you want to go back even further, we'll probably. T- I don't think the podcast was. I don't think we recorded it, but 
it was a very similar theme then because we needed a rebuild job then and then we needed a re- rebuild job the year before. Gary Monk was a rebuild job and then like the Karenka when we got what got up with that season we had to build, rebuild the whole squad a little bit more because we needed that extra quality. Middlesbrough were always on that rebuild and it frustrates me a little bit but like I don't know how to frame the question. Do you think that Neil Warnock has the capacity to, to do this rebuilding job for like what's needed to happen? I think a lot of it comes down to financial capabilities. Um, I think we we saw that when when Woodgate became manager, and um, you know, I think he, he was no one's kind of first choice as manager. But we would have loved it if he'd succeeded, and he came in kind of talking about um, you know we we want to play attacking football, and you know we're seeing it now with with Bournemouth, um, you know where he's actually got the players to do so. Yeah, they played well last night, Bournemouth. Watch them. We, as fans, knew the positions that need strengthening when Woodgate came in. Woodgate obviously knew him as well because he's he's covered some of them with with the signings he made. You know, we needed. I'll, I'll start off with a guy. I always forget we needed a backup goalkeeper, so we signed Thomas Mayers. <laughs> Cult um, hero, mate. Cult hero. Loves, yeah, a, loves a palm, or loves a photo. We needed fullbacks, so we weren't playing centre backs at fullback anymore, like we were under Pulis. So we signed Dykesdale and Baller. We we needed a winger. Well, we needed more than one winger, but we signed Brown. But we only identified certain areas of that squad um, to rebuild, and I, I think financially we didn't have the capability to rebuild it fully, and that's ultimately um, went against Woodgate in, in his time at the club. Um, and then we, we've Warnock again this season. And I said this a couple of podcasts ago. We we knew some areas that we needed rebuilding in the summer. Um, you know, the spine of the team we had Hall, Morsi, uh, Akpom, and then we knew we needed wingers, but we didn't get them until January. Um, yeah. And and then you know, a lot of those are just kind of loan or short term signings. So it was to know if they're even going to be here next season. So financially, we need a full rebuild at some point, not just kind of doing it partially every every year um otherwise we're going to be in the same kind of position every year with the noises coming out from warnock and, and the club around the season ticket drive hopefully fans are back in next season um they're kind of making out like we, we are going to be trying to challenge for automatic promotion if we're doing that we need a full rebuild we can't just carry on partially addressing some areas of the squad um, so I think a lot of it comes down to financial, but then again, you you look at Warnock. He is only a short term option in this role. It does seem to be like a one year role in contract, and you know, who was to say if he gets us promoted, he might just be like, oh, I'll do another year. Um, but then what what, what, what after Warnock? I, I think he would do. Yeah, I think he deserve it in that yeah. case. But what after Warnock? Then um, then you're gonna have another manager who wants to kind of bring in his own type of players uh, after Warnock spent a lot of time restructuring that and I think what Warnock's trying to do is restructure the squad so it's more personalities like here, McNair's house and Morsi uh, etc where they are like kind of very professional um, and, and consistent week in week out rather than having the potential to kind of make these clicks but then who's to say when a new manager comes in they're not going to want their own players and it's going to kind of clash against that that yeah. uh, philosophy and we're back to back to square one yeah so it's just kind of exactly what I'm writing this blog about and the the blog it, it's chats about the rebuild and and why Mills will keep finding themselves in the same position they do every single year and it feels like they go full circle and there's a lot of bit part there's a lot of pieces 
to make this rebuild and I don't think everyone fully understands it so for me I think this rebuild and why we're going in this position is one when you look at right at the top got chairman Steve Gibson board of directors they have a goal and their goal is Premier League football stable like stable club might go for one or two trophy like go for a trophy every 128 years later right <laughs> so we, we'll we'll do that and that is a rigid goal that is something that we probably want to do for a prolonged period of time and they say like Harvard Business Review and then they say be rigid with your goals but be flexible how you get there Borough are too flexible on how they get there they're very much like that dog with this like any toy and that shiny object syndrome where we'll try and get a manager in get us promoted you know let him build the squad and you know we'll be successful that, that doesn't really work because if you think about it Steve Gibson, I want to get the Premier League. We'll hire Neil, Neil Warnock. Neil Warnock will go, right, okay, well, I need to look at this nucleus that a manager has made in the past, and I want to get rid of that old car, and I want to bring in a new car of players to fit my system, and I want to play a specific certain style of football, and we'll go from there. But what happens if it doesn't work? We're going to have to bring a new manager in, and then a new manager will have, okay, I'm not a fan of this nucleus, but I'll get rid of this nucleus, and I'll bring my own nucleus in. That's frustrating because that takes you back time and it comes to the next point and that next point is the process. So the process of it is a case of giving something time to fruit and to be successful and being patient and enjoy the, the, the journey of goes getting to the Premier League and being a stable club and all that kind of fun stuff. That process doesn't have time. So the golden thread, for prime example, Steve Gibson and Adrian Bevington and Jonathan Woodgate and they all said, this is the golden thread of Mills Football Club. We want to have a specific style from top to bottom um, and we're going to let it work uh, for a prolonged period of time. Eight or nine months down the line, Jonathan Book gets gone. We're back to square one. We're trying to buy more players. And it's going back to this process of all over again. And then finally, one of the big, probably biggest key parts of it is the fans. If the fans aren't bought into the manager. Tony Pulis was a prime example of this because, yes, we, we had a specific style of football. We were trying to get the goal again in the Premier League. We had the players to do it, but obviously it wasn't his players. But the style wasn't there. And no fan enjoyed Tony Pulis football at all. So when the fans are disconnected, Borough aren't getting revenue. Gibson's out of pocket even more. We're struggling to sign players. So it's like a balance act with all all, all different things. And you've got to try and get this right for a, a project to really start. So what Borough really needs is Gibson needs to say, like, look, I want a Borough team to go to the Premier League. I want to play a specific style. That specific style can be very, very flexible. But you need to have an identity around it. If you have that identity, then it's easier for bring, for you to bring in a manager. It's probably most, more cost-effective to bring new players in because the players that you already have at the club are similar to what you a kind of what you want anyway. For so you don't have to have a massive changeover of, of players. Then the process of it, it's a prolonged period of time. Norwich are a fine example of it. They have a specific style, specific identity. Look for specific players. And that has a domino effect because the fans are fully bought in, and then success. Um, and that's kind of how it would how it would potentially work. But with Borough, there's a disconnect between there's a disconnect between the probably the the players and the coaching staff because we're constantly rebuilding every every season, and that shows that we're very short term focused. We're not looking at the long term picture because yeah, the, the long the, the the goal objective is the the Premier League. Well, once we've hit that, it's probably beating that a little bit more and trying to build on it a little bit more than that but we're, we're so far away from that success and success isn't a straight line I know that and it, it's like a, a massive like 
I don't know, messy drawing, do you know what I mean? And we're not gonna it's not gonna take overnight, but it's not gonna happen overnight, but there is that transition period that Borough are vicious, viciously stuck in. We have really good values at the club and when if you listen to Lid's podcast when he goes into like Borough's values, they're really, really positive. But Borough's identity on the pitch doesn't exist and it doesn't exist from top to bottom. So when you want to integrate players, when you want to have a specific style, when you don't want to have a massive turnover and, and play and staff and you want to have a clear identity, then that kind of makes more sense for us to do it. We can't be like a Chelsea where we've got the financial backing every year to kind of chop change manager. But even they have a specific style because they have the players to do it and they can just bring in a manager to play that specific style. Do you know what I mean? But with Borough, we're throwing a lot of money at it and it's just not working. And It just really frustrates me. I suppose the other thing you have to balance in is FFP as well. Yeah, financial fair player and Borough financially, COVID is a struggle. Like Borough have really struggled probably for these last year and a half because financially we really rely on on gates. Financially, in terms of like advertising and stuff like that and TV revenue, that's always improving because the EFL will probably get more money because the championships getting more exposure. Ideally, you want probably a Leeds to come back down and a Newcastle to come back down because they're massive, massive clubs and they'll generate a lot of revenue. Sunderland as well, if you want them, probably up as well. Can't believe I'm actually saying those clubs, but you know what I mean. <laughs> well, I would love it, love it if Newcastle went down. I mean, I would love it too, but I don't think they're going to from yesterday's result. Uh, but yeah, like it's it's that whole process. So like the if it has to come from the top, I think it really does. Like I love Gibbo, but like. Borough's goal of getting the Premier League is not going to happen until we physically iron out what we actually want to do with the squad in terms of specific style, <laughs> identity, having something that fans can relate to. And fans are relating to Warnock, but why, when it goes pear-shaped, we we instantly lose interest straight away? Do you know what I mean? If we trusted the process, then we would probably not lose that popularity straight away and I don't I'm not I don't have all I don't have the answers to be honest but my point my point is that it should come from the top and we should we should have the connection all the way through the whole squad and the fans but we don't it, it just seems like just bit part things things aren't connected as usual and I don't know I, I really it, it's quite it's quite hard but that I, I do feel that identity is is a massive part for Borough and I feel like that rebuilding thing won't stop until we actually find out a way yeah I, I suppose you only have to look at the last time it worked out really positively for us to to see yeah. it and that was Karanka um, you know we, since relegation we then we had Southgate Strachan Mowbray was obviously club legend and did sign the nucleus that, that Karanka used to get promoted yeah. uh, give him like, all the credit for that <clears throat> we didn't have a set style of play under under Mowbray I don't think I, I simply I, remember I would say it was more possession based though I'd, I'd say it probably was, and, and we kind of suited what Karanka wanted to bring in, yeah. uh, but it was a very different style of play, and I, I do remember chopping and changing tactics quite a lot to um, counter other teams, rather than having one tactic where the other teams have to switch to kind of counteract us, like we had for, yeah. for Karanka. But you, you could see it under, under Karanka in that, that, for, that playoff season, where we started making these these signings like Kiki, and then you're bringing in like Vossen and Bamford and people like yeah, that. Dare I say, Adam Forshaw was a superb signing. Yeah, he was. Um, for, for for it for it to come on and to play that specific style to keep the possession when we were winning games, or you know we, we needed something to keep holding, foot on the ball. 
perfect. He was absolutely perfect for what Crank wanted to do. I mean, ne- never seen someone turn three times before passing the ball that well until more Bessage played for us again. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, he, he, he was great. I, I like to like uh, have a laugh about that, but he, he was like great player. I'll never forget that uh, that goal he scored against Redden, jumped yeah. down two rows. But, you know, every signing we made at that point was like exciting and you, you could see that kind of build throughout the season. Um and you know more and more fans coming back, and then you look at the end of the season where we took over Trafalgar Square. Sadly, I wasn't there, so I can't really say we. But the you know the, just the, you by yourself, <laughs> <laughs> all fly out. All, all our fans took over Trafalgar Square, and just like when did you you know since going down from the Premier League, when would you ever have expected that to happen again? Um, and it just seems so far away from from that right now because yeah. you know as much as I, I do think. Uh, Warnock's a good manager. Obviously, he's he's got everything on his CV. Like he should uh, to be a good manager, and people like him a lot more than say Monk or Pulis. Um, and you know, I think he, more people were happy with his appointment than what uh, Woodgate. Sorry, um, I wouldn't say people are kind of bought in the same way as they were under Karanka at the moment. But I think that comes yeah. that comes with results and a style of play. Yeah, it, it really does. It's 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 hilarious. It's it's so, such a complicated model to try and get it right. And success probably happened, what, three, probably three years out of ten years, maybe? Three out of ten, you're going to probably have success. It's it's so difficult to say at the top. Like, when you look at Manchester City and, obviously, the United and stuff like that, financially, they can always rebuild and go through a transitional period and still be successful, but that's because they've got a lot of quality there. Um, but with Borough, it's, it's, it's difficult. Like, I think, we're, I think we're going to be in this position probably next year and maybe the year after because there's a lot of what Warnock has to do here. Like, he's going to have to bring in six or seven players what happens if they don't fit? Like, what happens if we can't bring them in? What happens if the recruitment's not there? I'm, I feel like I'm being pessimistic a little bit, but like, if if we do, if that do, what happens if one does bring all the players that he wants in? He's really successful in the recruitment, but then we don't get the results. Yeah. Then we've got eleven players that Neil Warnock wants, but then we're gonna have to start that rebuild all over again, and then we're gonna have the Gazette probably post that same article which they publish every year and say Borough need to start a rebuilding job again, <laughs> like. But yeah, but like like but the Gazette are spot on though because Borough are like saying that Borough have to rebuild again and like but every fan saying it as well. But do you know what I mean? Like it must be perfect for like for for Craig and Dom. You know what I mean? Just like copy and paste every year, just change the manager. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely class. I, I suppose if if the worst kind of did happen in that scenario, you've got to to hope that it's the same. Um, same situation as as what Karanka did, where he comes in, works with the same nucleus of players, makes them better. You know, adds a few players here and there, but you know, ultimately improves the style of football and gets results. Yeah. So we'll come up with the questions. Um, and Simon, he did say about, about uh, Corburn. Should he have put him on? Obviously, with uh, some belonging to Pan, but we've discussed it. But he said, "Is it realistic we can improve and make the top six next season, especially with the overhaul of players? Top six, realistic? I think it is." I, th- I think it it does depend on the players we bring in. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to go go back to Karanka again, but yeah, you, you look at the nucleus of players he had, and then the transfer window we had before that playoff season addressed every area, and we went on to to finish what fourth that season. So oh, you you do need to address every area this summer, but I don't see if if we do that, I don't see it being unrealistic that we finished top six. No, but it's it's the championship. We could finish top six, or we could finish bottom six. Like, there's no in between, is there? So yeah. it's um yeah, we've done we've made like a little bit of progress this year. But top six, I said on the last podcast, I'm not feeling it. I still don't really feel it. 
maybe when we do our preview podcast where we've got the players in, I might change my mind, but as of right now, it's it's difficult to say, man. It's difficult to say, but I would like I would like to see if we keep like I would love us to keep Balassi and and Cabano. You know, what I mean, I'll probably the ones I'd probably keep. Um, maybe Mendes Lang as well, but obviously Mendes Lang's injured at the moment, so it's like I haven't seen much of him to really have an opinion on it. But if we can bring in, I mean, if Warner can bring in eight or nine players, Jesus Christ, <laughs> um, we, maybe we've got we've got the manager there to do it, so. I can't see. I can't see why not, mate. Uh, I suppose as long as things line up with FFP and yeah. and it is, you know, something that can be accomplished, then it could happen. Um, you know, we said last week about where's a, a par position, and you know, I think it's four out of the, I know, three out of the four um, seasons we've been in this league, we've been, you know, between sixth and, and ninth. Um, you know, we probably on this squad only need to to add, you know. You know, a fair few players to to address the areas, but a, a kind of minor upgrade would get us up there. I think <sighs> minor. I think mean, major personally, but um, we'll go on next question. It's from Marcus. He says, uh, "Is the defense massively overrated?" I don't think so. Um, he said in the question. He said they've had more bad games than good. I don't think so because I don't think that I, I, I don't want to say they're not that rated but I don't see anyone kind yeah. of shouting that much about them at the moment um, I would like to see us be more solid next season uh, obviously I, I think we, we've had to play five at the back out of necessity quite a lot this season and that's helped I don't think there's anything wrong with playing five at the back just the same but go on well I, I think that's helped um, you know keep us compact and solid but it looks like we don't have a, a defence that know how to play four at the back and that yeah. I think needs to be coached into them. Mm. Obviously there's a, a lot went on this season with COVID and stuff where the pre-season was a lot shorter and we didn't have the time Absolutely. that we'd have to to properly bond the team or get them playing in a set formation. I think we, we've, we've changed formation a lot this season as well. Whether it is five at the back or four at the back next season, get them playing together in the pre-season, get them you know, drilled into that that structure um, and stick with it all the next season. Don't be kind of switching every so often. Yeah, you got to be you got to be flexible to some extent, I think. But I understand where you're coming from in terms of the, the formation changes. I think with when you've got the likes of Fry and Dyke Steele out, who are two massive players for us defensively, I think we're all we're always going to struggle. Um, but is it massively overrated? Probably not. I think you asked, but I think you spawn with we don't really. We haven't really kind of put on paper that we're a very, very good defensive team. Start of the season, we we looked quite solid when we had the likes of Fry and, and Dyke Steele. Big improvement on last season, in fairness. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> but absolutely, we've we've conceded a lot less goals this season. We haven't scored more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's there's nothing. I would probably say it's a forward line that we want. We need to improve a bit more. But that's just that's just a different kettle of fish. Do you know what I mean? Like. Where do we even go? <laughs> Where do we even go with that? Uh, but next question, Tom. It's from Luke, and he says, two seconds. He says, did the form shown earlier in the season mask the clear limitations of the squad in the first team? I truly think we overachieved and set set far too high expectations of where the club should be. There are at least eight stronger teams in the division than us. Now, if you listen to the preview podcast preview show, I did say I'd be happy with my table, um, but. And I said I wanted a team that would be the hardest working side in the championship. Are we the hardest working side in the championship? Probably not. Um, and are we mid table? 
yeah, I, I feel like we've kind of we're where we should be. Do you know what I mean? If you said at the start of yeah. the season, Tom, like, oh, Borough are going to finish mid-table this year for the season we had last year. Oh, you have absolutely took that. I would have snapped your hand off, yeah, so... <laughs> I, I do agree with the, the last part of that question, though, that there are eight stronger teams than us. Um, yeah. I don't think the pre- early season form so much masked the limitations because I do think that was all earned on merit. And, you know, what, what you said there, wouldn't be the hardest working team. I do think we worked hard in the first half of the season. But we got into the position where we were kind of like, uh, you know, within touch and distance of the playoffs, then we'd fall off, then go back up, then we'd fall off. And, you know, it did get people kind of thinking playoff race here. Um, you know, maybe we might yeah. be able to get there. We're not good enough to get there. Um, but it, it was always kind of a, a possibility. I don't think we'd have done well if we did get there. But I, I, I do think it was, with this season in particular, with you know, games co- uh, coming uh, thick and fast and, you know, uh, a lot less time to rest. And we've seen in the Premier League as well with some of the results there, like, anyone could have beaten anyone. So we could have snuck into the playoffs, but I do agree that there were eight stronger teams than us and this was only a transition season in, in the rebuild, really. Yeah, <laughs> the rebuild. It's going to take a while. Um, but the next couple of questions, Tom... Um, it's from Jake and he says who do you want to see next season as captain I'm not sure Housen is the right man to lead the team so I think it's a bit harsh on Housen I think Housen is a good leader he's a good professional and it's someone that probably the best of the current crop Grant Hall could be a good shout for us next year but I'm going to go with Dale Fry I think at this moment in time I think Dale Fry could be the, the leader that Borough maybe needs um, but communication might not be a strong point but I think I, I think in an ideal world you would love like a Roy Keane type, like or Patrick Vieira type captain, wouldn't you? Oh, every every team would. Yeah, you would absolutely love that, wouldn't you? You'd, you'd have someone who just not doesn't care going to chant. You know what? Actually, change my mind. We'll go Sam Morsey. Sam Morsey's captain next year for me. How are you? So I agree with what you said about House in there. I think he is a, a good leader. He might not be the most vocal person on the pitch, um, but he. I think he's the oldest player in our team. If I'm going right off the top of my head, and yeah, doesn't doesn't mean anything when football. Well, you know, you, he's he's got the most experience out out of the team, and it is still a young team. So, and from from every everything I've heard and and seen of Johnny House, and he's kind of like a model professional, Great which pro, is yeah. is what you want the young players in your team looking up to. Um, so, from that point of view, I can understand keeping him as captain. On the field, you'd like to see certain other players step up and be more vocal, the likes of Hall and Morsi in, in particular. If we were going to change captain, and don't necessarily think we should, um, but if we were going to have like a, a vice-captain who was kind of more the vocal one and House who was the more kind of calm, you know, level-headed one who was, who was kind of you know relying on experience more, I'd, I'd probably go with Morsi as well, based on the current squad. Based on the current squad, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, I can, it's nice to see that you agree with me with Marty. Well, Marty was captain of Wigan, wasn't he? So, <coughs> and Grant Hall was captain of of QPR. So, we've got some leaders in there now, but we probably need more of them. And then, the final question we've got um, is from Rod, Rob Fletcher. I know we've got more questions as well, so I'll probably come answer them on Twitter. But the he said, "Deborah need a new manager." <laughs> I don't think so. Not not right now. Um. I think a lot, a lot's been kind of promised to to Warnock to 
to stay on next season. Um, like I said earlier, you know, from from what we heard from the season ticket drive, we're going for automatic promotion. I, I think he needs to be be given that that chance to to bring in and and fully restructure that team the way he wants. You, you think um, we were on about nucleuses earlier. Um, we've still got. A nucleus of Gary Monk players here. We're talking about like um, your Sambalongas and Fletchers and people like that who are going to be the highest earners at the club. You know, now they're off the books. We've been restructuring wages for what the last couple of seasons. Should be in an alright position. Should really. be in a, should be in an alright position to to restructure next season. So just just give you know Warnock what he needs to to compete. I think we'll see a different team next season. Yeah, I would agree. I think Warnock's your man for this year, and if it doesn't work out and he calls it quits, like we have to Just bring Ice all back. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, I, you know I couldn't, I couldn't bring Ice all back. No, I couldn't do it. I mean, like the the way that I think the games changed a little bit. And I think with Ice and I think with Mourinho as well. The reason why it's not working as much for them now is that every single player needs to be bought into what they want to do. When Crichton came on board, everyone was bought in straight because he was a winner. Like he he won for Real, he won like the best trophies in the world for Real Madrid. Worked under Mourinho, of course, everyone's going to be all in. But then once like once it started to crack, players start to talk. You know, like his next job's not as successful at Nottingham Forest. But to be fair, it was hard to try at Nottingham Forest. But yeah, and then like it's that Birmingham didn't really work out as well. So yeah, I've got to. Clarify, I was joking there, but <laughs> you, you'd want to bring someone similar in in, in that case. Oh no, you were joking. Like, but I thought it was kind of. The... It, it'd have to be like a project manager. Yeah, project manager. That's a good. <laughs> <laughs> the project manager. But, but, project uh... project Emnes. <laughs> Bringing that back, aren't we? Uh, but, Marv on the touchline. Yeah, get yeah get Marvin Emnes on the touchline. He'll he'll do a job. Right. So let's let's chat about Rotherham then. Um, let's look ahead. Mills will play Rotherham away on Wednesday night at the New York Stadium. Um, a game which is massive for Rotherham and their chances of survival. Tom, do you want to slowly break them down and I'll jump in as well? Yeah, so we're back to a soccer Saturday type thing today because they are currently playing and they are 1-0 down against Birmingham. Um, that's that's a home game as well. Um, obviously Birmingham on quite a bit of form now. Um, but yeah, they're currently sat 22nd in the table. Um, last week lost 1-0 at home to Coventry. Beat uh, QPR 3-1 at home the week before that. Nil all draw the week before that. Then Easter Monday lost 3-0 at home to Wickham. So from looking at their recent fixtures, it doesn't look like they're having much luck at home. So fingers crossed we can get a bit of revenge on them for uh, for what they did to us at home earlier in the season. <laughs> the football gods have been notified and Middlesbrough will lose three goals to nil. <laughs> Back to you, Jeff. <laughs> uh, but no, it's interesting what you're saying uh, about Rotherham's form. It hasn't been as strong as you'd expect it to be, but that's the reason why they the were towards the bottom of the league. And you know, I thought they were going to probably stay up this year, but with that defeat to, to Birmingham, I feel like they could be struggling a bit. But that puts an onus on this game where they have to win. Borough have nothing to play for. They're on the beach already. It could be a quite difficult game for us. And the way that they set up and the way the the way they've played, obviously that three. I think it's the three four. Or three five two. I think the player three four one two and appreciate Wings being very very good for them since he's since he's been on loan. But without him in the in the team, it's going to be a difficult difficult game for us. You know they've got something to play for. They play a good strong long ball, hard to break down. That Balazar is a, is a good centre midfielder who creates chances. And I 
feel like Borough could struggle, you know. I don't know. I'm I'm hoping, um, based on on what Warnock said about it, the the squad looking drastically different in the uh, the next few games, that it will, and and we're gonna have some of these younger players given a chance, and you know, with that chance, they're going to want to make an impression. Yeah, so could say that. I'm I'm kind of hoping that pays off for us if if that happens. Can I say it now? Warnock said there's going to be massive changes. Just makes one. <laughs> Warnock said there's going to be massive changes starting on Wednesday. Brett Sombolong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that could be right. Yeah, Brit signs a new three-year deal. <laughs> Honestly, just I mean, I mean, if he if Brit did sign a, like another one-year deal, I wouldn't be opposed to it. But it's like also like the. I mean, really, like you know, you've just been slagging them off for weeks. Um, <laughs> but let's let's do predictions. Tom, how are you feeling about it? Should we? Are you feeling? Yeah, we sound like you. You sound confident there. Well, I'm not confident. It just depends what type of team gets put out. But um, you know, I'm I'm going to work off the assumption that it is going to be a different team that's put out, and we're going to see the likes of Corburn and and Mally get a get a chance. And I'm I'm going to go with a one 0 Borough win. I'm going to go with one of those two to score the goal as well. <laughs> What no man, Jesus, that's that's optimistic, isn't it? Well, the you playing the football manager, son? FIFA, FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh God, mate, I think we'll get beat. I do. I, th- I just don't think we're. Well, it's not I at the minute. We're really not I, and I, I don't know what it's been. Maybe it's that whole that click thing or the, the nucleus that needs changing. Maybe we're on the beach. It's kind of like a game of snakes and ladders, really, in it because you know, we once we try and get our hopes up a little bit. We get we hit the snake and we all go up and down again. And the optimism just dries out and everyone starts hitting each other again. But oh god, um, I'm gonna go two one Rotherham, I think, and I don't think they'll stay up, but the I think they'll beat us and they need a win. They they're, they're in desperate need of a win, and they outplayed us the last time we played it. So yeah, I can only see it, only see it down unfortunately. Um, but we'll we'll ask Dana to give her her prediction as well uh, when we message after this, but. That's it, mate. Thank you very much for joining me and thank you very much for listening as well. As as always, if you want to give us a five-star rating on the podcast and on the podcast apps, we really do appreciate it. Um, it helps us get found and also Bora fans find us, but also follow us on YouTube too. We've got more guests coming on and all interviews will be posted on there as well where you can probably watch them as well. And also, we are going to go back to more of a video format as well. We are working with uh, with Dave from Red Army just to make sure we've got the, the footage there just to give you a different type of show as well so that's pretty much it um the borough falling down the table like it's a game of snake and ladders and for some the beach is the beach is close and time off is nearly in sight this has been the borough breakdown podcast and that was all your match day chatter in a pod Again. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 